Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Psalm 119, starting in verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I have sworn, and I will perform it, that I will keep thy righteous judgments. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according unto thy word. Accept, I beseech thee, the freewill offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me thy judgments. My soul is continually in my hand, yet do I not forget thy law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but yet I erred not from thy precepts. Thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform thy statutes all way, even unto the end. So we're on page, um, well, we, we start on page four, and that's our offerings and his judgments, Psalm 119, verse 108. Except I beseech thee the freewill offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me thy judgments. So letter A was, this is the desire to be accepted of him. And uh, letter B is, Christ is the answer to our need to be accepted in his sight. Letter C is, is the one we're picking up on. Even so, we desire that our worship and our efforts would please him. We do not seek to earn his favor, but serve him out of the love of our hearts. We read what's well, there in your notes, Psalm, uh, Revelation 7, verse 15 through 17. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he, sit, he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. And they, they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, any, uh, nor any heat. For the Lamb, which is in the midst of the throne, shall feed them, and shall lead them into the living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And we talked about this last week, that this is in regards to the tribulation saints, but is likely indicative of, indicative of all the saints in heaven. And we will worship him day and night in his temple and be accepted. And so where we're picking up now is number two there, empty worship and works are um, that should be are an immense danger and tragedy for any Christian or church. Empty worship and works is an immense danger and tragedy for any Christian or church. And of course, we all know that because there's a sign that says church on the outside, because there's people that claim to be preaching the Bible on the inside, none of these things mean that it's the truth that's being shared, that they're preaching the word as it's written. There's plenty of things going on in our country that um, it, it, plenty of places that are called churches that it's not, it's empty. It's, it's dead, empty religion. I've been in them myself. And I went to uh, a church years ago uh, with a member of our family and it was the coldest, deadest place you can imagine. You know, it was, it was just, it was just so cold, you know, and, and anyway, so empty worship and works are an immense danger and tragedy for any Christian or church. And we can't afford to kid ourselves, except God should protect us. This church could be that. So quick pop quiz. What is it that prevents us from being a cold, dead church? What's that? Love. Love? OK. The truth. the truth. Amen. Anything else? Well, it's like everything else in the Christian life. It's God's grace. It's the Holy Spirit moving actively in all of our hearts. Uh, if, and, and listen, you can have a group of saints together, people who are born again, and it can still be empty. It can still be men doing things for, according to what men think they should do. And so, again, it's only God. Only God could everything in the Christian life is grace. Everything from salvation to serving God effectually, uh, all these things are as a matter of God enabling us to do so for his glory. Never for our glory or anything like that, Patrick. Somebody, my son brought that up this week. He was talking about the way he listens to people. He tries to listen to it based on what they're trying to tell him versus what his 
what he would do, right? What he would think. Okay. Okay. And that's he took that to lean not on your own understanding, right? Which is what you just right. said. Yeah, and you know that's that's really communication that's being talked about there right. is when you you try to res- instead of responding to the way the what they say or or how they say it, you know, respond to what what is trying to be communicated. Right. And so um, empty worship and works are an immense danger and tragedy for any Christian or church. And I have this note underneath that. Empty religion is unprofitable and vain. There's a plenty of, again, there are plenty of people going to church and they think they are, you know, making God happy by coming to church. Uh, they think that they're doing God a solid, you know. Um, I'm going to turn to read Titus chapter 3. That's New Testament, right? Titus chapter 3. In verse 9, but this is Paul speaking to, uh, to uh, Titus, um, and so he's. this is a lot like Timothy. There's a lot of guidance here for a, a young preacher. And so verse 9, but avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. And so a lot of this is the accoutrements of empty religion. You know, there are seminaries, there are churches, there's <laughs> all kinds of groups of, of, of learned men that are very impressive, but listen, that does not do a thing for God or God's service. To just be a, an accomplished, you know, the Pharisees, they were pretty much a collection of learned men. But God chose, you know, simple men, basic men, just, you know, people that would follow him. That's why all any of us need to be is followers of Christ. I'm not saying school is wrong. I'm not saying anything like that. What I'm saying is that only God can enable us to glorify him. Only God can enable us to, to, to bring glory to him in any way, and through its service or through gathering together or preaching or listening. Only God can give the increase. Just like Paul said about, uh, you know, uh, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Everything in the Christian life is God brings the increase. And so if we're going to gather together under the name of Jesus, praise God for that. But if there's going to be anything worthwhile, God will have to be involved. And again, you can have Christian men and women gathering together and it still be empty. It will still be vanity or vain. And so, uh, yeah. It never occurred to me when it said genealogy. I just thought of like somebody in their own family, but it's talking... In this case, you're probably talking about the line. Yeah, I, I would right. say that they're probably a, 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 a meticulous study of this and this and this. Right. And, you know, the Bible has genealogies. It's not that it's wrong, but right. for people to make it a, you know, well, this this is an important piece of information because it gives us this. And it, anyway, there's and let me read that again. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will without. That's not right. Verse 9, <laughs> but avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. And, I, and by the way, questions aren't wrong. It's not wrong to ask a question. That's what basically every person needs to do is to learn. It's the foolish questions. <laughs> it's, the, it's the let's ask questions for asking questions sake. You know, let's have a, an impressive dialogue. Listen, all any of us need to be is disciples of Christ sitting at Jesus' feet. Now, there are brothers and sisters who have learned and grown and have experiences walking with the Lord that they can share. But listen, all of us are on the exact same level. The Lord Jesus said, ye have one master, even Christ, and ye are all brethren. 
Brethren with different gifts, different capabilities. But listen, they're all integral in the body of Christ. None of us are are more important than the other. The glory, glory to God that we all have a place in Christ's body. And that we're able to serve God with the gifts that He gives. That is something that we praise God about. However, we're all man, we're all flawed, highly flawed, and we can all... In, be in the flesh one day and start glorying in the wrong thing. We need God to correct us and to get back on track. So, you know, that's just life as a Christian. We wake up with the flesh and the flesh gets in the way. It can get in the way in pretty much every part of, of service, of church, of everything. And so we all have to be careful to watch our motives and watch whether or not it's the flesh jumping forward and wanting to, to get in the way. And so... It's, it's a constant struggle to make sure that God is the one being glorified and that our motives are for him and for his glory and not for ourselves. And again, Paul says that they are unprofitable and vain. It's religion for religion's sake. And again, the Pharisees were a wonderful example of that. They were very religious and, and they were very impressive to men. The Lord Jesus mentioned at one point that you have phylacteries on, and, you know, and, and, and they had them on their wrists and they had all these impressive things that they did. And it was really, really impressive stuff, religiously speaking, but it was empty and it was vain. And actually, it's not even just it it can actually get in the way. I think religion happens in churches just like that, too. It gets in the way. You know, we do it this way because we've always done it that that way. (laughs) Well, you know, it's not wrong to to do things in tradition, I guess. But if it's getting in the way, that's a problem. And so, again, it's, it's a very important for the children of God to make sure that we're in, in touch with the way God wants things done and that it be for his glory. And so empty religion is unprofitable and vain. Right. Yeah. Can, do you mind looking up the word religion in your Bible? Okay. Uh, there may only be one. Uh, James is the only one I can think of, true religion. And, 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 right. So, it, yeah, it's, it's not an evil word. Can we read that one in contrast to what we were just saying? Okay, did I misspell it? <laughs> okay, here it is. So Acts, Galatians, James. There's two two occurrences of James. Do you want to hear that one? Pure religion and undefiled? Yeah, that's Okay, pure, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. And, yep, that's pretty good definition. <laughs> Yeah, actually, that in verse 26, it goes, it says, If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Certainly a very different definition than what a lot of the world thinks of as religion, you know? Right. Going to church and dressing up and like the Pharisees, wearing their long robes and making long prayers in the marketplace where James defines it as visiting the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. And so, um, number one, there, uh, again, this is from the thought of uh, verse number two, their empty worship and works are an immense danger and tragedy for any Christian or church. And so if you turn with me to Revelation 3, it's part of it is there in your notes, but Revelation chapter 3 in verse 14, this is the Lord Jesus speaking to the church of Laodicea. There are, you know, seven churches in, in the chapters two and, and, and three, and two churches received no condemnation. The rest of them re, uh, received, but I have somewhat against thee. And in Revelation chapter three, verse 14, in the church of Laodiceans are the only church to receive no commendation. No, you've done this right. 
So uh, verse, uh, verse 14, and, and the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that thy shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eyesalve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him, and I will and will sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my in my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And so there's a lot about this passage, but the main thing that you can see is that they were very that they were religious. And they had works. The Lord Jesus said, I know thy works. And so they had a lot of things that identified them as a church, but they were everything that they should not be. And, and the worst part, it says, so then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now look at their perspective about themselves. Thou sayest, I am rich and increased with good goods and have need of nothing. And folks, that is like the last place that any child of God should be. Because we are, even after salvation, even after a walk with God where you've been walking with the Lord and you've grown and all these things, no matter where you could find yourself in the Christian life, you will never be in a place that you are not entirely dependent upon God. At every juncture, at every way in which you could examine it, we are entirely dependent upon God. We're as dependent upon, the, upon God as the rest of the world for every physical aspect, for our health, for our next breath, for the, the ability to think and the ability to interact, all of that, and as well as every spiritual aspect. The only difference between us and the lost is that we have Christ. We have salvation. But every other way, we're just like the rest of the world. We need God at every minute and can do nothing without him. The Lord Jesus went so far as to say, without me, ye can do nothing. So why, Brother Brad, why are you shouting about this? (laughs) Because we constantly have to remind ourselves of this. You and I are a mess. Except God should do something with us. There is nothing that can be done. We are entirely needy. David said in the Psalms, I am poor and needy. What did God say about David? He's a man after his own heart. Many And, and so many of the kings after David were compared to David. And yet David said, I am poor and needy. Was David wrong? No, he wasn't wrong. That's the point, is we are all poor and needy. The only thing we have is Christ. But if you have Christ, you have everything. (laughs) You have the ability to serve God. You have the ability to glorify God. As long as you're not depending upon yourself. You know, Spurgeon was a, 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 you know, recognized as a great man of God and a wonderful speaker and orator. 
and uh, yet he wasn't ordained. <laughs> and so he was a pastor of, I don't know, one of the biggest, I don't know if it was the biggest congregation, but they wanted him to be ordained. His congregation asked him to be ordained. And he said, if you, I, I'm misquoting this, but you can look it up and you can see how it's written. But he said, I'll do this for you because you need to have this, but God doesn't need for me to have this. The Bible is very clear. The ordination is of God. It's not of men. <laughs> That's what Paul said after his uh, salvation. He says, immediately, I conferred not with flesh and blood. His, his being chosen as, an, chosen as an apostle didn't come from men. It came directly from the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul saw the risen Savior, a qualification for, for apostleship. Now listen, the thing is, is there is no place at which you and I can glory in anything other than being Christ's. You know, and, and even that, and you've heard, heard Pastor talking about, a lot about it, uh, even that has been turned into a very ugly doctrine. I mean, I, I thank God for fellowship with people who believe that, you know, I feel, thank God for fellowship with every Christian. But for people who believe that God chooses some to hell and some to heaven is wrong. It's straight out wrong. Yeah, they can point out this verse or that verse that they believe supports their position, but how many verses do you have to discount and not listen to to get that perspective. Listen, <laughs> it is the grace of God which enables us to enjoy everything in the Christian life. And our, our life now is, is opportunity for us to glorify God, but not out of our own strength or our own talents or our own eloquence or anything like that. If God gives eloquence, it's for his glory, not for us. Okay, so... I keep hearing dings. I don't know where they're coming from. <laughs> Turn my Wi-Fi off. <laughs> okay, so um, then I have. Th so you notice there in uh, Revelation three where he said uh, their words and their offerings. Uh, well, let me just reread that. And, and unto the angel of the church of Laodiceans write these things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And the point that I wanted to make out of that is that their words and their offerings were not acceptable. They believed they had arrived, but they, they were not. Their works, their, 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 everything that they were doing was not acceptable, and Christ spews them out of his mouth. And so number three, and, and by the way, I had this note also to the, to the left of that, is that um, uh, Christ's correction is the best evidence of them even being his at all. <laughs> the, the Bible's very clear. He does not correct those who are not his children. I've, I've heard people argue that, well, anyway, the point is is that, that his correction is the best evidence that, uh, that they are Christ at all. And the same thing is true in mind in your life. When we're corrected, that's evidence. <laughs> that's evidence that God loves us. Like he says here, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Do you ever have God tell you that? I love you. I'm rebuking you. Be zealous and repent. I feel like I've had the Lord tell me that, brother. So what have you heard some people say? You, you kind of said that, and then you went, uh -oh. kind of went on. I, don't, I have no idea what I was saying. <laughs> uh, so maybe that they think that that's talking that you're not saved. Perhaps. Oh, oh, I know. Uh, just Well, this past, there are people who are saying right. this is the lost church. And I would say, okay, now if you want to believe that, you can believe that, except for that he says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. No, I, I agree. I read it while you were reading it, and I, I got that first impossible impression of what the other people thought. But then when I read the verse you just talked about, 
I thought, you know, because overcome sometimes usually means a lot of times it's based in a salvation verse. Uh-huh. But we know that those words don't mean the same thing right. when you're talking in another context. Right. And what you what you read there, that verse indicates he's talking about people. Yeah. Who are now, I, I was thinking about this, this very thought right. earlier today, and I was thinking about how this church could be a mostly, you know, it could be that a lot of the people that attend this church or this group of believers are lost. I mean, the Lord Jesus, he gives an invitation there. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. And so people have made the note. Well, he's standing outside. That's a that's a fair right. point to make. So he you might know? be talking to both groups. Basically. Yeah. I don't, he also says, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's pretty harsh. Distasteful, right. at right. least. <laughs> right. Yes, ma'am. Well, it, it's a discussion of the, there's there is the Bible refers to the elect. And, well, the elect are the elect because God foreknows everybody that's going to be saved all the way back before before there was an Adam. God foreknew everybody. He can't help but foreknow. God is outside of time. And so the thing is, is everybody. Listen, the, the, every, you see so many invitations in the Bible that are open ended. Whosoever will let him come and drink of the water of life freely. There are not some people held back. Now they'll look at Esau have I or Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Well, listen, <laughs> Esau was a fleshly, carnal man, and he rejected his spiritual heritage. You know, very clearly, the, the Bible says God is angry with the wicked every day. So listen, God wants to save everybody. Clearly, the Bible says, "Whosoever will," like you said, "I am a whosoever." Thank God for that. But so is everybody else. If they will, if they will ask, if they will seek God's forgiveness and mercy. That's that's the problem. That's what I think true repentance is all about. Is that that and I think the Holy Spirit is the one who illuminates our, our understanding and helps us understand that we are completely condemned outside of Christ. And everybody is that way. Without exception. 
So the thing is, is, is anybody, everybody, and God wants people to be saved. The Bible says he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so, the, again, the problem is man, not God. He made, the Lord Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross was enough to save all souls from the beginning to the end. Every single person, every human being who's ever lived, ever, ever has, ever will live, could be saved. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. It was enough. And God is not holding some back. That's that it's very offensive to me. Yes, ma'am. I know when uh, we've had we had a Sunday school teacher years ago who was very much teaching what you're talking against right now. And remember him saying, Well, nobody could come to God unless the spirit was calling them. Um, and so that was a big thing. That it's nothing about us that right. we're doing. So, how would I argue against that? Saying, well, then why, why would God, why would God call certain people okay. and not others? I mean, <laughs> well, there is a verse that says okay. that you know no man is able to come to him except the Spirit draw him. Uh-huh. Um, the, but yeah, that's the verse. Yeah, and and so there is that verse, and and again, you can find verses that. They, they pull and they say, there we go. That's, that's it saying only some can be saved. But that, again, that, that verse in Peter we just talked about, he's not willing that any should perish, so but that all come to repentance. Every, if I pray specifically for somebody, for the Spirit to draw that person, will he answer that I, I very much believe that very thing. Okay. Because we are commanded to pray. Yeah. Why would God tell us to pray and then refuse to answer the prayer? And God himself says that he's not willing that they should perish. So you put all that's this is the point, actually. Thank you for bringing this. This is the point is that you put the things together and then they make sense. It fits together. God is not willing. He, I don't think God was willing that Esau would perish. But Esau, like Pharaoh, chose for himself to reject and go away from God's commands, go away from God's leadership for his life. And Pharaoh, again, the Bible says he hardened his heart. Yeah, people, people in election that were talking about election from their perspective will say, there you go. God didn't want Pharaoh to be saved. <laughs> well, I don't think that's true at all. Pharaoh chose for himself. God hardened him where he was. Yes, well, A couple of things with Pharaoh, basically. In Romans 1, it says that they rejected him. That's why right. he ends up rejecting right. them. Right. It's not a particular sin, but you can't reject a solution. Right. And number two, I think a little bit I've noticed, that's Calvinist. They use the word all, and they say it's not really all, it's right. all of the elect. Right. Okay, so for God so loved the world, that's that everyone, that, that whosoever. In other words, they match up. Right. World is everyone. Yeah. Whosoever, therefore, is everyone. There's right. lots of other verses yeah. we've read. Oh, yeah, there are. There's there's yeah, lots I mean, of... <laughs> and, and again, they'll there's there's verses. They'll pull, they'll, they'll pull those out. Okay, the Bible talks about the elect. Therefore, there are certain people that are meant to be saved. The Bible is very clear. It says, in, I can't remember if it's first, I don't want to say it's Second Timothy, where he says, he is the Savior of all men, especially of them that believe. Christ right. is the Savior for all. And, I, and very clearly, God wants to save all, right. but people choose for themselves. We see it in our world today, everywhere. People are choosing all kinds of things except God's way, because God's way does not fulfill their desires. It keeps them from... Their way. Yes, ma'am. That's why God gave us our free will. Yeah. Everybody would be saved 
if he hadn't given us free will. Yeah. So if we aren't going to heaven, it's because we chose not to. Yeah. God. Well, and, and then you see, and I'm going to go ahead and turn there, Revelation chapter 22. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly where it is. <laughs> It is a great point. That's a free will. Yeah. Okay, verse 17. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Now, it's verses like that that I think is almost like this overarching neon sign. God saying, I want... Now, like your friend, Andy, is that right? A- Andy might question, well, she says only some people can be saved. <laughs> You know, and I agree with what you're saying, by the way. You know, you can't just condemn somebody because they, I mean, I look back and there's all kinds of things. I don't agree with what I believed, you know, 10 years ago. But my point is, is that, you know, you look at things like this and it's like a big, bright neon sign from God saying, I want to save you. You, I want to save everyone. And, And at this point in time, you know, how many people have found themselves in that verse where the Bible says in the spirit and the bride say, come and let him that hears say, come and let him that is a thirst come and whosoever will let him come. Let him take the water of life freely. That's the point is that God wants people saved. And when the Holy Spirit and yes, the Holy Spirit does. I, 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 I when I think about that verse, you know, no one can come except for the spirit draw them. I think that we're all so carnal. That the spirit has to break us and has to poke through. And has to tender us and make us aware of our need for salvation and forgiveness and mercy. Because you and I, I don't, there's nothing we can, I think that's part of what that verse is saying. We cannot do anything to drum up enough fear for our own lives even to get ourselves saved. Yes, sir. Well, that's one part. I told him too. I said, if she's a Christian mm-hmm. and she was called, I said, then God calls everybody. Yeah. Who responded? Yeah. Who responded? Right. I said, so it doesn't make her the only one, or her, certain people the only ones. It's he calls everybody, and the ones who respond this way. So he loves everybody, yeah. especially the ones that believe. Amen. Right. So that's yeah. where it comes. I said, you can take the Bible, a lot of things out of the Bible, mm-hmm. out of context. I said, Jesus wept. That doesn't mean he's a private being. <laughs> I've never, never thought of that before. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you take well, and and you know this passage it says, "Let him that is a thirst come." And I think about the the two men who went up to the temple. One was a Pharisee, and the other uh, publican. Publican, thank you. <laughs> My mind just quits. Anyway, and you know the Bible says the Pharisee prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I'm not as other men are, and, and I do this and I do this. And, and the Bible says that the publican in the back wouldn't so much as lift up his head unto heaven, but smote upon his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That, to me, is a picture of that, let him that is a thirst come. That desire to be, you know, when, when, when God illustrates to you who you are. You know, and, and so many people like Isaiah in God's throne room who knew immediately through and through he was a sinful, wretched man in God's holy presence. That's the work of the Holy Spirit here on earth is to reveal to us just how absolutely lost and desolate we are, except God should come in and, and clean us up. Yes, sir. 
And his prayer is also responding to the truth. Yeah. Basically, that is God drawing him and revealing him that he's a sinner. Yeah. Right? And he's just responding mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, there's just so many things. I always thought about how the Lord Jesus, he never, he never uh, dealt with people the same way twice. Every single person he dealt in complete and often a very different way. And then you see the the thief that nailed uh, to the cross on to, on one side of him. You know the Bible says at one time they both you know mocked him just like everybody else. But one of them came to himself. He came to the understanding of who he was, and he said, "Lord, remember me when thou comest to thy kingdom." And the Lord Jesus, at that moment in time, gave him the promise that he was going to be with him for eternity. Yes, sir. What I like about that one is he be basically what did he say? Can I, what did he say again? Uh, Today you will be with me in paradise. Yes, sir. And basically that's indicating basically that you don't have to go by a script. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, no, and and that's that's a I've also often been thankful for that too. That you know, that's you know, there's just nothing about that that is according to some you know, say these words and you'll be saved. You know, is he just believed? He simply looked on Christ. Yes, ma'am. I had one more thing. Yes. So when we're talking about the Spirit drawing somebody, okay. That's not true. That's that is absolutely not true. I I have seen people under conviction, and you and you can tell God is working on them, drawing them. Yeah, we're not robots. That and that's that's the whole thing. I think it was Cassandra who said that just a minute. We are not robots. We are not pre-programmed. Yes, ma'am. It took me years of the Spirit pulling on me, and I fought it and fought it and fought it. And Right. Right. Well, and and that's that's a wonderful testimony that you know, I mean, we're just so needy. You know, we are so absolutely desperate, and so so many of us are such. I mean, I, I just I think of so many different ways that I am a mess, and yet God in His grace, there's you know even we can't be so much a mess that He can't save us. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful news? Is it, Brother Alvy? You know, a lot of times I think that a lot of us think more highly of ourselves than we should because how we think we look compared to other men, because that's the way in which we compare ourselves. But the more you get to know God, 
you find out, man, we're all just way, way down here. And, and the scope just keeps getting. The more you learn of God, the more you find out how great he is, how, you know, just and you find out you, yourself gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Yes, sir. The idea of becoming your own God. Yes, sir. <laughs> I, I can't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. God, God runs the whole universe perfectly yeah. all the time. Amen. Yeah, the very so hairs I mean, of our heads are numbered. We've got a long way to go, brother. Yeah, yeah. Amen. <laughs> yeah, amen. And yet there's so many people who want to make themselves their God. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I keep hearing, I've, I've, I've heard, for, for, I guess for 20 years, and I've heard this, hey man, you're a god. You guys ever hear, hear that? You ever hear people say, you're a god, over just saying, hey, you you do that really well? And they say, well, you're... Uh, well, it's, 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 it's deeply disturbing to me. What's that? Nobody's ever said that to us. You must be... They haven't said it to me, sister. <laughs> I've just heard people saying it to, hey man, you're a god. Uh, that's how could anybody? I mean, even joking, who could who could do that? Yeah. Here's a fun fact: well, they, at least they said a god, but even Satan says, "I want to be like the right. Most High." He right. didn't even say he couldn't even say, "I I am going to be the Most High." Right. I mean, yeah. I don't know what restricted yeah. him from saying that, but <laughs> well, it's, it's all proof positive that people don't know a thing about who God is or who right. we are, and that's that's what that uh, that's one of the primary purposes of God communicating to us is to tell us. <laughs> Who he is, who we are, you know, and to help us to. And again, the more the more we have illustrated for us, the better we understand. You know, you say we're poor and needy, we're absolutely desolate, and yet God loves us. That's the other thing that God communicates to us is how tremendously, amazingly loved we are by God. That the son would lay his life down to save wretches like us. You know, it's it's. I, it's something I can't get my mind around that God would love us like that. And again, you know, like like the Bible says, so scarcely for a righteous man, some might dare to die. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, and you, you think about that thief nailed to the cross, deserving his death. He said, you and I deserve this. But this man had done nothing amiss. <laughs> this man had done nothing. And yet those two God loved deeply, richly beyond our ability to understand. We we've really gone way off the mark with all this tonight, but that's all right. I I I've been blessed by it. Yes, ma'am. Well, and, and Honor, I'm not good enough. Yeah. And how many people is that sending to hell? That's a very sad right. And and you see, that's that's part of the offense to me. Why why do you want to even talk about this? Why do you even want to say, hey, I'm one of the elect? What is that going to do for you? Absolutely. Yeah. What's that? Puffs up. Puffs. Well, that's my point exactly. You know, here I am. I'm one of the elect. Yeah. It's it's very offensive. <laughs> Well, that's yeah. We're pretty messed up people. <laughs> look at how 
Look at how I am so proud, proud, prideful about how unprideful I am. <laughs> yes, sir. Real quick, related to what Gloria was okay. saying, agreeing with her. There, there's a Bible verse that talks about another Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now, Galatians. in my mind, the tool of God is another Jesus. The what? The tool of God. The tulip. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, God that's Calvinism. I, I've heard that Calvin was not as Calvinistic as <laughs> as Calvinists are. I don't know if that's true that's or not. That's my opinion. Yeah. Based on that, they have those those attributes of, of tulip tinker with the gospel. Well, and uh, okay, and you know this to me, I, I guess in many times, many ways, I thank God that I'm just not that smart, because people don't do themselves a lot of credit by coming up with a lot of this stuff. You know, I mean, you're better off just studying the Bible over and over and over than coming up with this stuff. You know, I, I you know, like like Tulip, you know, the, the, the five steps of Calvinism. I just don't know how that profits people. I mean, you're better off just finding out what the Bible says. And I, I realize I, I'm, I'm being simplistic. That's that's OK. I, I like being simplistic. <laughs> you know, I, I don't I'm certain I will never be a doctor of anything. <laughs> Except for of whatever mess I have going at my house. <laughs> whatever you said, there's a Bible verse for it somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure where it is. Well, and and the thing is, is I I have known some preachers that I love, and anyway, I, there's no point in me sharing that. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Come on, now you have to tell us. Well, just just that you know, over time, they seem to get impressed with themselves. I don't I don't know why. You know, anyway, I shouldn't have even mentioned that. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. <laughs> um, humility is part of the Christian life. And if you're not there, then there's something wrong. There's something dreadfully wrong. I mean, really, deception is behind everything that Satan does. So, you know, every everybody can be deceived into thinking that there's something. You know, we're not. We are all recipients of grace. And if you've grown at all, it's because God has, it was said here, worked and nourished and, and brought us to the point where, like Miss Cassandra, able to, to receive Christ. But from there, you know, just able to serve God in any way, it's all the grace of God and God's continual patience working with us. And so it's very important for us to remember, to remind ourselves that we are all the work of God. And we're a constant, you know, I, I thank God for that verse in Philippians, he which hath begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's all any of us are, is a work in progress, and will remain so until Christ brings us home. Right. And so we should never dis- let our, allow ourselves to be deceived into thinking anything other than thank you, Lord, for everything. Everything. From being, being able to get up in the morning and stumble to the coffee pot, to being able to go to a job, to being able to to worship with brothers and sisters, to being able to do anything in particular. Everything is a gift from God. And by the way, the stuff that we are enabled by God to do, we're going to thank God for every second that we spent in his service in eternity. Yes, I, I, I can't speak for other people, but, I, but there are times in my life where I go, oh, well, I guess I have, I have to do this now. I have to go do this thing that I should do, that I should want to do. <laughs> Yeah. In the Word, you yeah. Know, worshiping Him, and just you know, being, just being. Yeah. You know, not the privilege. Doing, but yeah. Being. Amen. What He wants us to be. 
Yeah, I had the Lord correct me years ago. Uh, we were there's a time where we were going on visitation, and my family were the only ones going. <laughs> and I had gotten we're closing up. Yes, sir. Uh, but uh, we we were the only ones, and I was getting so discouraged about it. I was thinking about just not not going. And <laughs> this is so embarrassing. <laughs> you guys gonna be okay? You gonna forgive me when we're done? <laughs> so. So I'm, I'm at, yes, I'm at the 7-Eleven kicking around the idea of not going, and I go to the comics. This is so embarrassing. I go to the comics, and so I pick up an X-Men comic, and I flip to the first page, and there's Wolverine and Cyclops looking through somebody's keyhole, and they say, hey, would you mind if we took a moment and talked to you about the Lord? Let me tell you, I closed the comic. <laughs> it was the strangest thing. I mean, I felt, I felt very rebuked. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Pastor may not let me teach Sunday morning. <laughs> that was the weirdest thing, man. <laughs> no more comic books. Yeah. I don't know why Brock Swan's got into video games and comic books. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I, I guess the point I'm getting at is just that we're, you know, we're all the grace of God. Everything that we have in our lives if there's anything to point at and, and be thankful for, it was God doing it, not us. All any of us can ever do is just yield. Yield unto God. You're the yielding to the flesh or you're yielding to the, to the Holy Spirit leading us in our lives. So, okay, let's go ahead and close in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for this time we've had. Thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you can guide us and you can direct us in, into so many things that we need to hear. And thank you for this time we've had talking, Lord, and discussing and enjoying the scriptures together. Please bless uh, all, everyone here tonight. Keep us safe and please bring Miss Marie safely back to California and bless her while she's there. Lead her to where she can be blessed and used of you. And uh, we thank you for all that you do. Bless everyone here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you. Don't forget the two sign